Hello, everyone, and welcome to the core on WEGL 91.1. My name is Jackson, and today we have a very special episode. Today we are starting off the first episode of the core interview series. Now, what the core interview series is, is we take bands, we bring them into the studio, and for one hour, we just go into a deep dive into the band's history, their writing process, and really just anything else that we would like to talk about. So, for the first episode, I thought the best idea is to bring in a band that's actually local to the area of Alabama, that band being Septarian. Thank you guys for coming to the studio. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Megan. I'm the vocalist. I'm Josh. I play guitar. I'm John. I'm the bass player. Do some backing vocals. Uh, Justin. I play guitar. Kenneth. I'm a drummer. So how did all of you guys meet? How did Septarian really like come to be? Well, it kind of, me and Kenneth had, and John had been playing together for quite some time in a band that was used to be Double Rail Democracy. That fell apart for various reasons, and we kind of, we kept playing together and decided to have a new name because it was basically going to be a new thing. And Megan's Kenneth's daughter, so that was kind of a built-in. Yeah, I've known these guys since birth, essentially. That feels like it's at a slight disadvantage for the rest of us. Uh, we have to actually work for fame. <laughs> no, you're kidding. No, that, that's awesome. I love a lot of like good family stories. You know, going back to like Van Halen and even nowadays with, with you guys, actually having family connections is very cool. It can be sometimes, but there are definitely some disadvantages involved. Uh, he is my worst critic, definitely. But that's fair. As, as a father, you want your daughter to succeed as much as you possibly can. So, And constructive criticism really just, I think that's a good indicator that you care for her, which is amazing. A lot of people in the music industry, they're kind of just left out to dry. And so having someone kind of guide you along is very helpful. So what was each of you guys musical influences because I know you guys are very into the 90s mellow death sound from listening to you guys on uh, Bludgeon the Offended which is a great record by the way thank you uh, great work on that so what is uh, everyone's like musical influences what brought you guys to metal specifically to me the first record that I heard that made me decide I like metal was probably obituaries cause of death and then shortly after and they came out about the same time was spiritual healing by death and strangely enough, both of those records had James Murphy on lead guitar. Uh, so maybe I like his style uh, a lot. But uh, both both of those records are what got me into it. Pretty much my favorites like Solstice, Malevolent Creation, stuff like that. And I'm wearing Malevolent Creation's T-shirt right now. so It's a nice shirt, too. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty much for me, it was a lot of what he just said. I mean, early death metal records, spiritual healing, and obituary. And then uh, some of what really shaped the way I play guitar was when I heard Napalm Death and then later Fear Factor just kind of really amped it up. Is there a big uh, Dino Cazares fan uh, with his playing? Um, actually, I guess so. I guess I like the way he approaches guitar. But honestly, um, as far as the band goes, I was a bigger fan of Burton than anyone. Oh, okay. That's an interesting take, but I think that's a good one. And then, what about you guys? What was your introduction? Well... Like I said, I was kind of born into it, so I've been thoroughly submerged in anything and everything you possibly imagine. And then as I grew up, I just branched out from the metal that was already a large influence on me and, and found a bunch of newer stuff. So I've, I'd like to define myself as, the, as one of the well-rounded members. So I'm really, really into Arch Enemy. Uh, so you'll hear a lot of Angela's 
vocal styles yeah and some of the stuff that i do i was about to ask are you a bigger angela or Alyssa fan <laughs> i'm definitely an angela that's fair that's very fair so, so do you like the agonist as well i do i follow them on a couple of different social media platforms i found them a couple years ago sick yeah they're, they're a great band i, I saw arch enemy in 2017 uh with trivium in atlanta yeah. that was that was such a good show yeah. uh they they got better i think when jeff loomis joined the band which he's just an insane guitarist yeah, yeah it's yeah, hard not is. to be better really when you have jeff loomis I know. <laughs> like back in the days with nevermore is when i first heard jeff loomis i'm very happy that he joined the band michael amad is also an amazing guitarist as well and so it's just really cool to see those two now working together and so it was your influence uh, me being the youngest member of the band, I got more into the new metal scene. So it was more corn, slipknot, limp biscuit kind of stuff for me that got me into metal. So what was uh, who's your favorite new metal band if you had to say? Uh, hands down gotta go with corn. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. Uh, I got the issues album in like junior high and just wore it out till it wouldn't play anymore. Like absolutely yeah. just love corn. Their first album was fired up that was probably my favorite by them they had a lot of raw energy i mean they still do now but like yeah. they had so much raw energy on those yeah. first releases the anger and pain that was in that first one to me man it really just fits same with like slipknot in yeah, the early years same. up to uh, like volume three and then they just kind of mellowed out after that point but very very big like energy on new metal in the mm -hmm. first like two albums and all the bands kind of mellowed after yeah. that yeah. and what was your introduction you know Back when I was in high school in Opelika, uh, they have a guitar program, and you know every every Friday at guitar class, uh, my teacher was Mr. Orr, and uh, you know he would like bring in tapes, and we'll learn your favorite. So everybody was bringing in the, the you know the stuff like Guns and Roses and Poison and all those bands, and I'm the only kid in the class who's bringing in Ride the Lightning, and everybody's just kind of like looking at me like you know he's not going to teach you that stuff. So yeah, eventually, you know, Metallica in the 80s started blowing up, and uh, so all the kids in the class were all wearing Metallica patches and all this stuff, and here I am, the only kid in the class actually can play the stuff, you know. So yeah, that's basically what got me into metal, uh, you know, early Metallica, and then I found Death and uh, Obituary, on, you know, later on, but uh, it just kind of cool to see that would you um, say um ride the lightning is your favorite record by metallica or what would you say it is i, I would say injustice is my last mm -hmm. favorite album by metallica that's a great record yeah. yeah a lot of very underrated songs on that album that don't get like any attention yeah. at all which is unfortunate um maybe they'll remix it with bass though eventually <laughs> I, I know you yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> they should though it's Jason was a great player and uh, said that he had to leave, but yeah. Rob's doing a great job, though. Went to Voivod after that, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so. And then now he's got his own uh, side project as well uh, that he does vocals for as well, which is really interesting. So now that you have your bands that you started with, who is your favorite band you're listening to at this moment, like new band, new influence, if you had to say? Hmm. Man, that's tough. You're going to laugh, but, I mean, there's a – uh, kind of a progressive stoner metal band I'm really into called Elder. Okay. And uh, I think if no one has checked them out that's listening, to just maybe give them a listen. Do you know a band called uh, Orange Goblin? 
machines? No, no. That one's I I think you would enjoy uh, Orange Goblin. They're very interesting. Okay. Very like, um, they're still making stuff, but they're UK, very orange yeah. amp sounds. Okay. Uh, crunchy. You know, there's a lot of stoner metal bands out there that I do like, and there are some that just. I would guess you would say they have influences that range from Black Sabbath to Black Sabbath. <laughs> but then there's some bands like Elder out there that actually progress and they're really talented musicians. That For sure. Which is, you know, you want to keep growing as a band right? Uh, as much as you possibly can. But I think it's also important to stick with a style once you've found it. Like when you have a signature sound, it's probably mm. important to stick with it because you don't want to sound like everyone else. Right. So that's always a challenge in balancing musical direction. Have you guys had that problem in like putting too much influence in? Maybe not enough. Not really. We just kind of do what we want. Yeah, <laughs> that's I'm, good. That's I'm not real. I'm not a real stickler about. I don't feel like you have to hide your influences either. Yeah. If something sounds like somebody else and it's still cool, well, I'm all right with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You should wear your influences on your sleeve if you really want to, and if it sounds good. And then, what about you guys? Who are you listening to at the moment? Well, I don't know if they're new, but. Um, I just recently discovered this band called Seraphim, and they are like, oh, I'm head over heels with the vocals for that band. Oh my! Their um, their guitarist is the guitarist for Hollowfront as oh, really? well, and he does all the production for Seraphim and Hollowfront, so he mixes everything and he writes everything. Well, that's awesome. Which he's he's so talented. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so if you like Seraphim, definitely check out Hollowfront. Uh, they're basically the, like the same. <laughs> so oh yeah, I'll check them out. They're super good. And then what about you guys? What are you listening to at the moment? Uh, I've been in more of a deathcore kick recently. Uh, Spite is uh, pretty great right now. My man, uh, let's freaking go. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Spite, uh, Traitors, uh, all that kind of good stuff. I, uh, I played Traitors a couple weeks ago, and one of my friends was listening. And it was like from their first EP. It was Product of Hate. Oh, yeah. And it was just that first, that first track, and she was like, what is this? <laughs> like, his style of vocals, the whole bull vocals, I guess is what you call it. Just the, is he, no one else sounds like that right now. So He's like so aggressive yes. with how he does it that it doesn't sound like Spite. It doesn't sound like Lorna Shore. It doesn't right. sound like was, Distant. was actually lucky enough to get to see them at a balcony bar here a good few years ago. Wait, Lorna or, no, or uh, Traders? They came here? Yes. What? <laughs> yes, sir. Hold on a second. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was before Balcony Bar closed down. Okay, yeah, I wasn't around for that, I don't think. Hopefully, though, because you guys are playing a show tonight in Montgomery with Crow Mouth and Power Sync and Blood. Hopefully, if that takes off, maybe we can get bands like Traders to come down again at some point. Love to get the scene back going here again. Really, really trying to get that going. So thank you guys for agreeing to play that tonight. It's gonna be it's gonna be so sick. Oh yeah. And then so you guys have you guys have played the sanctuary before. You guys played last year. Right. Um, yeah, right. What would you say is the best part about playing at the sanctuary? The acoustics in there. The acoustics oh, yeah. hands down. It's a cool building. You know, it's got a lot of charm and mystique. You walk in it and you see all the rafters and everything. It almost kind of gives you like an eerie vibe. Because if you look just the right way, you can see a pentagram. When you walk through the doors, a rafter shining through you. It's like, this is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. This this is my first time going there tonight. So I've only seen pictures. I saw you guys' uh, video, I believe, of uh, No More Boundaries. I think being played at that yeah. venue, and it sounded great. That video sounded awesome. So I'm very excited to see you guys in person tonight for the first time. 
especially being an Auburn death metal band, we don't have, I don't think, any more of those. No, they don't exist anymore. Yeah, we're going to get into that later in the show because I want to talk about that because I think we, I think we talked about it a little bit over like Messenger. Mm-hmm. There used to be so many Auburn metal bands and now they're just gone mm-hmm. for some reason. So I have a whole section dedicated to that. I want to learn some history about that before I got here. But when we come back from break, we are going to play the first song from the band Septarian. We're going to deep dive into this track, learn all about it. And that's going to come up on the course. So keep listening if you're interested.
That was the song Instinct by the band Septarian, and they are here to tell us what was the writing process behind that song? What was it about? Musically, I don't know if there's really a progress to describe other than to start playing some riffs and see what sounds cool and then try to put them together. You know what I mean? There's not like a, a pattern in mind. It just kind of organically happens. You know, we kind of feed off of each other in the band room and decide what we want to keep or shorten this or change this. It's kind of, it's definitely a collaborative effort. So do you guys ever like write individual parts just in your free time and then bring them in or is everything that you write kind of just spur of the moment? It's it's kind of a mixture of both. We definitely will have kind of solidified ideas and bring them to the band room. And then sometimes it's completely the other way. You just start on something free-flowing and then it becomes a song that's that's i think the best way to do it because everyone has equal creative input yeah and so it doesn't feel like one person's kind of taken over the entire project right. that your name's not the project no. <laughs> it's, it's it's not john's band maybe it should be <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean maybe i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deny it i mean i think he does the heavy lifting but yeah so during bludgeon the offended so every song kind of came across that way where was that mixed and like recorded at Okay, we know a guy in Columbus, Justin Dean, that actually did the recording at his house, and some he recorded the drums at the band room, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Tracked the drums at the Tracked band room. Tracked the drums at the band room, and we went in individually to his house and did all the rest of the parts. And then uh, we have a friend, Jamie Ertz, mm-hmm. that he also is involved with uh, Silver Chord Studio, and we sent it to him, and he makes the mastered it for us. So, have you guys ever like tracked demos with them before, or is this like the first time you ever just recorded anything? Which is the first time as Septarian we ever recorded anything. Not, it's a very impressive debut. Do you do you guys have plans for future releases coming up? We do. Yeah, we're in talks with a new studio in Atlanta. Hopefully, sometime after February, we'll start booking some time. Are you? I think of doing a, an EP this time around, or another full length. I think we're probably going to do an EP. Uh, we got. A bunch of new songs so we'll go in and track a couple songs and then release those and then do a couple more songs and release those very cool because i noticed you guys you only have the album out at the moment mm-hmm. a lot of bands today when they release stuff they'll release like one maybe two eps and then a full length was there a specific decision into just releasing a straight on album right out the gate or was it just because you had all the material for it. I think it was a lot of it <clears throat> was having all the material already and we're anxious to get something put out so we kind of went for it and put it all out. It de- all or nothing. It definitely doesn't feel rushed though like listening to the whole thing it actually feels very like thought out. Oh well now we had we had been we've had the material for a good amount of time before we recorded it. Mm-hmm. Which is good that gives you a lot of time to practice the material before going in because you don't want to be learning your parts in the studio. No. Uh, but yeah, so that was the first time ever recording. I have some new stuff coming out. Lyrically, I noticed, vocally especially, I heard the Alyssa and Angela and Arch Enemy influence in this track. What was the lyrics about to this song? So lyrically, this song, and honestly the whole album, you can probably guess by the album name, is just kind of about the expectations that society tends to have on people. And then, you know... Probably a lot of people that like metal or call themselves metalheads could relate to me, but I was, like, absolutely tormented by kids in my school when I was growing up. And, like, you know, he shared the story about the guitar class with 
uh, but I, I took the same class at the same school, but my teacher was Mr. Bruce, and I was always that kid that brought in the, the heavy songs and was like, I want to learn this. And the teacher was like, I really am so tired of these songs, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. This is my passion. So, like, you know, a lot of my lyrical stuff I pull from that experience, and uh, it's just a more of a big F you. That's what the, that's what it is, really. <laughs> it's just... I, that, that isn't, I think that's kind of where metal just kind of came from in the first place, though. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, at, like, at least it started, in the UK, it started with singing about, like, war and stuff, and then it got to America. It's like, I hate you. Yeah. I'm going to make a three-minute song about it. Oh, no, <laughs> don't get me wrong. There is a song on the album, Deception, that's that's actually, I wrote it um, during the time that, uh, nine, you know, uh, that we were doing all that crap with cross-country and the war and all that. So right. there's some of that in there. But primarily, it's a, a big old fat middle finger. <laughs> I, I wonder if like anyone who was like knew you in high school or middle school or whatever listened to the record when it came out was like, "Is she talking about me?" <laughs> <laughs> I saw people walk up to me like, "Hey, Megan." I'm like, "Who are you? <laughs> Do I know you?" They're like, "Yeah, we went to X Y Z class at Opelika," and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I have no idea who you are." Oh no, no, it's. <laughs> It feels so weird. Like, do you ever run into people from like the high school or like middle school still? Well, I mean, just kind of. I have had my best friend. We've been like, we went to school together, and she's been my best friend for like the last 12, 13 years. So, besides her, uh, no, thankfully, not really. But yeah, I, I hear a lot of influence, especially in that song when reading the lyrics out. It's definitely kind of a big, you know, to those uh, who may have offended or have been offended by metal music which unfortunately has happened a lot and been blown way out of proportion especially in the 80s and the 90s mm -hmm. nowadays it's not so like it's not so bad I no don't nowadays the lyrics like can get very deep and you know they're really emotional a lot of the time it's not just angry hate music and we get a bad rap for that you know oh they're satanists oh they're doing this and i'm like dude you don't even know me yeah it's it's like you can you can listen to you could take some lyrics out of like context. Oh yeah, you do. That are some of like the most emotional lyrics you've ever heard in your life, mm -hmm. and you can like give it to someone, and they're like, "This is this is absolutely beautiful." What is this from? It's like, uh, it's from a band called Death," and they're right. like, "Oh, okay." And then they go listen to it. They're like, mm. "It's like I can't immediately understand what they're saying." It's oh, like, I hate can, this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, how can you understand this? It's like it's called listening. Yeah. Open yeah. your ears. Just listen. <laughs> They just call it screamo. Oh, oh I hate yeah. that. That's the dreaded. Write it off. <laughs> label right there. Oh. How can you listen to that screamo music? Oh. It hurts so bad. It hurts my feelings. It's, it's so weird having like people in Weagle, though, that I'm friends with other DJs who run like shows that are like completely different to mine. They run like indie shows or run like a jazz show or something like that. And then I'll be playing like, I don't know, like Kublai Khan or something like right. that. And my friend's like, is that the hammer by Kublai Khan? Like, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know that? He's like, I'm in a hardcore band back in Pensacola. I'm like, huh? <laughs> it's like you run a show that's nothing but lo-fi beats. He's <laughs> like, right. in, in a hardcore band called Accident Prone, which is nothing but drop A tuned, right. seven string, five string bass. Like, open, open, first. open, open, bend. Open, yeah. open, open. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, have you guys played in Florida as well? Or? Yeah, a yeah. few times. Where have you played at? What was the name of the venue in uh, 
Orlando that we. Played I know we at. played at Jimmy's Jukebox, but uh, that's not in Orlando, no. I don't think. No, that's in Fort Walton. Yeah, Fort Walton. We played in Orlando. Can't remember the name of the venue. Yeah, I don't know why I can't remember the name of it. There, there's a cool spot called the Handlebar. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. Yeah. We have. Yeah, we yeah. have. That's a cool spot. We uh we haven't played there yet since it's reopened, but that'll be in the works. Yeah, our buddies, a curse, cr- a creator. Yeah. Curse Creator. Curse Creator. They're finally back together with a new front person. And so they're from that Pensacola area. So we'll be definitely hitting the Hannibal up with those guys. That'd be awesome. A couple of friends of mine, uh, they're playing a house show here. A band called Blind Tiger. They're from Panama City. And they just played with Portrayal of Guilt last night. And now they're coming up to play a house show in a couple weeks. Did you say house show? Yeah. Did yeah. They still do those? Anymore. Well, I yeah, missed I booked those. One. I booked one. Oh, yeah. my God. So it's them. It's it's a hardcore house show. I don't think I've been to one of those in like 10 years. Yeah, it's on it's on a Wednesday. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's an odd. Uh, it's an odd day. But odd day. Yeah, they, they messaged me at the end of like booking the tour. And they're like, we want to start in Auburn. Can you do Wednesday? I'm like, uh... <laughs> Sure, I guess. <laughs> so I had to go find someone who had a house that'd be willing to host it. Wow. And I put it in like we have like a DIY Discord of everyone who's like, Hey, we have this band who wants to play. Can you hook them up? I put it out there immediately. One person, she was like, Yeah, I'll do it. Wow. I'm like, It's a hardcore band. You know that, right? And she's like, Yeah. We're like, I'm not responsible. And she's yeah. like, Yeah. I'm not responsible. <laughs> There's gonna be some drywall repairs. There is oh, gonna yeah. be some drywall repairs. I, I hope we don't have like the ceiling tiles that you punch up. Yeah. yeah, we can go through those if you like. Oh yeah, yeah, we can do that. So yeah, we are going to head over to ads real quick and then when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit about the history of the Auburn metal scene and where all the bands went, because I genuinely have no idea. And you guys can tell me a little bit about that. So we'll be right back. This is the Core on WEGL 91.1. Welcome back to the Core on WEGL 91.1. I am your host, Jackson. We are here with the band Septarian once again to talk a little bit about the history of the Auburn music scene and the Auburn metal scene. So you guys have been in it a lot longer than I have. And so the first question I have is, what was the scene like when you were coming up here? House shows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's see. There were th- three houses mainly that did them. One is not there anymore. Uh, that is where that giant place is behind the downtown Waffle House, or next to the downtown Waffle House now. What, what, what's over there? Like a smoothie bar and. Yeah, I think uh, is it by like 191 that area, like West and Right. Yeah, it's on Glen Avenue. Just right next to the Waffle House. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know which place you're talking that, that about. That strip mall right there. Mm-hmm. That was a house. That was Mike Carty's house. He's no longer with us, but uh, we used to have shows there. There's a house on McKinley called the Inbred House. We called it the Inbred House. That was one. And the Malformity House, who the band Malformity is still around, but they're in Atlanta now. Oh. But they started in Auburn. I was in that band for a little while. Okay. Played guitar. We There was a band... Hematovore that they were they've been around for they were around for 30 years and they've recently just disbanded mm. I played bass in that band towards the end of it Lethal Compulsion was one from the 90s Ganglion was was a band they were metal and then there was a lot of punk bands too Trant Trio yeah yeah Hardy Har Har <laughs> Shampoo Poo which is the freaking greatest band name ever I'm sure I don't know if anyone listening is going to even remember them but Shampoo Poo 
<laughs> there was someone um, the other day, like I don't remember what happened. That I, I posted something, and some guy who originally went to Auburn, he like lives in like Huntsville now, and he was like here in the '80s or '90s, mm, and him. he <laughs> said like, "Dude, you have like a really cool show." I remember when like the metal scene was big there. It I was. was. They, they, these yeah. house shows, there was yeah. hundreds of people at these house shows. Didn't like, Fukai's band originate here under a different name at one time? Well, they they were. Well, yeah, well, we had a band called Couch, uh, James Fukai, who went on to uh, be in the band Trust Company, who you know got pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know them. We had a band here called uh, Couch. It, it was kind of eclectic. There was a lot of metal in it, but we would throw in stuff that sounded like fish in the middle of a, a metal <laughs> song, you know, just to mess with everyone. So just mathcore, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Kind of, kind of. A little jazzier, actually. A little, little jazz. You know, Kenneth and Josh. I mean, the, uh, after that, had some some bands that uh, did a lot of house shows too. Yeah, we played a lot of house shows. And a lot of house shows. What bands uh, were you guys in before Septarian? Method Zero was one. Uh, Double Barrel Democracy was one. Kind of out of the area, we were in a band together called Dead on Sunday. I feel like I'm missing something. And Blood Veil? Huh? Blood Veil? Does that sound right? No, that, that wasn't was, us. That was, that uh, was Josh Harper. Josh Harper okay. was in a Blood Veil. That's a great name for a band, too. That's and a cool name. Before he and I were in a band together, I was in a band called Freudian Slip. Okay. And he was strangling Corey. Yeah. Are there any uh, spots still doing house shows besides, like, the one with Blind Tiger, but, like, any places that you guys know of that are still doing? Oh, no, the only one I've ever heard of recently is the one you just mentioned. Yeah, same here. <laughs> That's, like, the only one that I... I said I'd just do it myself because yeah. like no one else is going to do it. I, I think part of what killed the scene was uh, the, the police department. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they, they it got to where every single one of them was getting busted up by the police. Oof. Hopefully, since this is the first one, and like I don't know how long, maybe they'll be lenient. Um, mm. And just probably depends on where it is. Yeah, it's at um, it's at some house that actually hosts a bunch of indie shows, so maybe everyone's used to it, kind of. Okay. If, it, like, if it's downtown, it'll probably be all right. It's like in a, it's like in, it's like five minutes from like downtown or something like that. It's not far at all. Okay. So that that probably helps a little bit. I'm sure they'll be a little bit more lenient about what we do. <laughs> hopefully, they're loud bands. Yeah, a little louder than indie. Yeah, just a, just a little, just a little bit. I, I um, maybe I'll throw in like one indie band just to be like, no guys, it's an indie show. Trust me, this one thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, here's the one band on it. They're the first ones. You know, the the bars downtown I used to be more oh, conducive yeah, to they metal, used too. To be. There, was there was a, a couple little, of venues. A place called Little Ireland's, which is where the Sky Bar is now. Really? There was a place called Little Ireland's, and they, they would do it. Um, Couch played there a few times. Balcony Bar. Bal- yeah, but before, even before that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Finks. I'm not as old as all y'all, so. Finks, which is, uh, they tore that whole thing out, but it was... Quixotes for a while after that. But it was called Finks. That's one of our Septarian callers calling in right now. <laughs> <laughs> we played uh, we played there a few times as Couch, and uh, we used to, we used to play there a lot when they did they did quarter mug night. You get twenty was it thirty two ounce mug for a quarter after you bought your first one. Oh wow! So yeah, we usually were pretty hammered by the end of our set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Couch's rule was. You had to be drunk before taking the stage. Jeez. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. 
No. <laughs> doesn't make for the best performances. No, either. it doesn't. But back Absolutely then, we were young. We, we, we were resilient. We're tough, tough guys, I guess. Yeah. But now, I can have a buzz by the time we get done with our set, but I can't start with one. <laughs> and th there was another, like, change, I think, in metal where it went from the whole, you know, really party – drink as much yeah. as you can, smoke everything, and then now it's like, if you're going to do it, do it in, like, private kind of attitude before mm -hmm. it. It's like, no one really gets up on stage, like, drunk anymore. I think just, a lot of that, actually, at least this is my theory, is that it stems from the material itself, too. The, uh, the music has progressively gotten much more technical from then to now. Oh, for sure. To where, you know, it's one thing to see – We'll just say Slayer just for a name. Is there, you know, they're fast, but it's really pretty academic stuff to play. So you can get up there loose and kind of still plow through it. But if you're like Art Spire, oh yeah, you no. need to be able to pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Like mm -hmm. I, we um yeah, I went and saw August Burns Red in Atlanta last night, and yeah, they, yeah awesome. they were so good. They were doing their 20 year anniversary tour, so they played stuff from every single album they've ever put out. <laughs> I'm so upset I missed that now. I got dropped on my head crowd surfing to August Burns. Oh, when did that happen? Uh, one of the warp tours. Oh, I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been dropped on my head crowd surfing a time or two. I, I miss warp tour. That was, that was a fun time. I didn't go to warp tour. Yeah. I went to Mayhem Festival. I miss oh. Mayhem Festival. Like, yeah, what I happened? saw Rob, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson. Like, I, got, I got to meet yeah. all the remains one, one year, and I'm a huge All the Remains fan. Like, you, you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> That's like my favorite subgenre is that 2004 yeah. live metalcore sound. And then um, what is that other band that your wife likes, Josh? Kill Switch Engage. With the chick singer. Butcher Babies. Oh, man. Oh, I do know them, Dude, but no. Yeah. Not them. Maria She's Brink. blonde. Maria, yeah, Maria Brink. Oh, Brink. in this moment. There in you this go. moment. Yeah. yeah, I saw in this moment there one year before she like blew up and got huge and. I saw them at a at BJCC Arena in Birmingham with a uh, Wage War and Slipknot. Oh yeah. So those three together was a great combination. Unlikely. I miss. Yeah, it's a very unlikely combo, but it's not as weird as the second half of the tour, which had them Cypress Hill and Horror on it. Hell yeah. Well, the reason I like Mayhem Festival better than Warp Tour is because yeah. Warp Tour, you had to like run and have yeah. to miss half of a set. But Mayhem Festival was like, we got these two stages, one next to each other. You guys play, you guys set up. They were going to trade places. They were going to shut these down. They were going to go to the main stage. So you didn't miss anything. That's how like a bunch awesome. of European festivals do their stuff. Like Vakken and like Rock of Ring and all those. They do the same like setup. And I think that's much smarter. I think it is too. Than, like, I get they're trying to fit as many bands in as possible. The other thing about Warp Tour is that the schedules did not come out until the day before so you could be headlining one day and be the beginner the next day wow so no. which could be a real pain because you never know yeah it makes it it also makes a difference on how much material you have time to play yeah it does and generally headliners get a longer time slot than the, the openers do mayhem but yeah mayhem was a lot more organized than warp tour was mm -hmm. um i loved i wanted to go to this one lineup that had i'm a massive trivium fan uh, so, oh, like, yeah. Trivium was there with, like, Slipknot, Rob Zombie. I want to say All That Remains may have been on it. Shadows Fall was on it. They were uh, killer live. Yeah, they were yeah. awesome live. I saw them uh, in September last year. But, yeah, so the metal scene has definitely changed a lot, especially here, and it's basically just non-existent at this point. Which, yeah. hopefully, if this show tonight goes well, which I'm pretty sure it will. You know, you guys are playing. I can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> it's uh, Hopefully, that will kind of lead to more bands seeing 
Auburn is like, oh, that's a spot that may actually host us. That's that's like a college town that may do stuff that we can get on. So I'm looking forward to that hopefully taking off. I really hope it does because I think we need more metal shows yeah. in Auburn. I'm constantly on the look for a new venue, um, especially in Auburn, a block mm. area. Um, we thought we had the rock and roll pinball yeah. secured, but um, this guy's uh, who owns it. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, then they slapped everyone in the face by doing a metal tribute night after they stopped allowing metal bands to play. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully sometime soon we, we want to host our first fest here in Opelika, Auburn. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, with half the bands from our area. That'd be awesome. And then, uh, you know, host, get, have mm-hmm. uh, some headliners, you know, I'm good friends with bigger bands and... I'm in the talks with them, and you know they're they're willing to put it down on their schedule whenever I find a venue big right. enough to do it. We can get some of a couple of the Columbus bands that you know have a good following. I'm yeah. sure they'll be willing to do it too. And oh yeah, bring some people from there. So maybe this I, I radio station could help promote something like that. Yeah, yeah. if uh, I mean someone knows somewhere, it has a great potential to pick back up. I swear to God, I'll be walking through town. I'm like, that looks like a metalhead. That looks like a metalhead. Yeah, that looks, we have all the metalheads yeah. here. We have no scene. Exactly. There's nowhere for us to go hang out. And it's when you see sucks. one of your own band stickers, yeah, you know, out in on the somebody's wild, car, <laughs> out in the <laughs> wild, <laughs> spotted in the you wild. Remember, you, used to, you used to go in the guitar shop. When the guitar shop was a cool place to go. Yeah. It still is. I love it. <laughs> I still go there. Um, <laughs> you walk in, you see all these metal guitars. Yeah. Hanging on the wall. You don't you see any, any, any of those. And everybody's playing some kind of metal song when you walk in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really what has killed the area as far as musicians go to create the metal. Is that there's, there's yeah, no the mu- the music store. Yeah, the music uh, store controls all that when maybe, you walk into a music store. Maybe I'm calling on you, Spicers. Get some seven-string guitars in there, man. Get I some pointy guitars in there. I was there. Kids interested in the metal. I remember a time when the guitar shop hosted John Five, and I was all over that. In I Auburn? was yes, in Auburn. Yeah. Where did the, where did this happen? Dude, this where, is like I'm so confused. This is like ten, maybe I don't know, eleven years ago. Yeah, he was doing a clinic. I was fresh out of high school, and he, uh, my dad handed me a flyer. He said, "Hey, this is happening tonight." And I was like, "Are you serious?" Like I feel like this is this is a joke, right? Like John yeah. Five, the John Five is going to be Auburn. In, in Auburn. You mean Marilyn Manson's guitar? No, yes. <laughs> you mean you mean that John Five? Yeah. And sure enough, I went. I was sitting front row, and I was like, "This is the best learning experience I've ever had." Because all he did was just sit there and play the guitar for like two hours, and then sign autographs. I was like, "Okay, he is I'm totally amazing. fine with this." Amazing. I saw I saw him in Huntsville with Queensrÿche. And oh, that yeah. was a very fun lineup. Yeah, my mom is sure. a huge Queens yeah. Rights fan. Was that when the guitar shop was downtown? Yeah. Right there next to right where, Starter and Generator? Yeah, where Hastings used to be. Where Hastings used to be. Okay, yeah. that wasn't downtown. That was, that's, no. okay. That's where Hastings was, yeah. yeah. They, they used to be downtown next to Auburn Starter and Generator. What, where did they go? Across from the, <laughs> the Freewheeler building. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's moved several times. Oh, my gosh. Because we had spice, we have spicers, and that's mm-hmm. a cool. That's a yeah. It's cool it's a great place. music store. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I called them out a little bit because I do wish they would carry some more metal guitars there. Yeah. Oh yeah, we need. They need to broaden their. Horizon. But they when they got yeah. nice guitars. Their acoustic, their acoustic room is fabulous. Yeah, I went in. Um, when was it? I think it was a couple months ago, and there was a John Petrucci Majesty in there, mm-hmm. used, 
and I right. and it was it was so smooth. And if I had yeah. the money, I would have walked out with it. They told me they were like, "That thing's gonna be gone, so you better get yeah. it." I come back two days later, it's gone. It's gone. Of course it is. It's I just sold. got I just got a, a used Schecter uh, KM7 from there, just like one of them. You know, Josh he has one just like it. And Oh, that's so, so twinsies. Now we're twinsies. <laughs> Go and bust it out the show tonight. Everyone yeah. have the same exact guitar. I, I play bass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bass, man. yeah, yeah, I know, but like just you know what August Burns Red does. They switch instruments every song. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Did they do that at, when you saw them? I want to say the bassist and guitarist or something. Yeah, they swap. Or something like that. Yeah. It, like that's that's just I could never imagine doing that. Because like you have to switch every song and learn every part. Oh, there's no so, way. For an so hour as a guitar player, though, you know you can just cheat and play your guitar parts on <laughs> yeah. bass, and it works well enough. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just I can, for a show aspect. Yeah, just to, just to, for show, I can. Yeah. I play the bass lines on a guitar. I don't care. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. Um, there's a band called Era from like yes. Birmingham, and I'm friends with those guys, mm-hmm. and. Their bassist plays everything the guitars play. Right. So they have a song called Snowblood off their last album, and it's got this weird little tapping riff. And they'll stand like all three of them at the same time, and they just synchronize it. Mm. And I'm like, that is weird to look at, but it looks so cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's very interesting. So, coming up on the final block, we are going to talk about one more song from you guys. And we're going to deep dive into that one as well, talk a little bit more about how this song came to be. If you're interested in that, don't go anywhere because this is the core on WEGL 91.1.
That was the song No More Boundaries by the band Septarian, the second and final song of the day from this band. So let's talk a little bit about this track. First of all, I noticed the drum triplets right out of the out, right out of the gate. Uh, was that an idea you had like for a while? Do you like using that trick mostly when uh, writing? Me and me and the other guitar player uh, James that was in the band, we would fool around with really fast triplets. And so one day I was just basically warming up. There's a, there's a song called uh, Zero Signal by Fear Factory. And I was, we play that song from time to time. So I was basically warming my feet up to be able to play that song. And he just started mimicking the triplets with his hand. And, and we both were like, well, that's cool. Yeah. You know? So that's pretty much how that came about. I was warming up for Zero Signal by Fear Factory. And, James just mimicked, mimicked his hands. So it's literally like the sweet child of mine of Septarian. Yeah. And then, so lyrically, is this one kind of follow the same sort of topics as Instinct? Lyrically, Megan didn't write this song. Oh, okay. Lyrically, Megan rewrote one part of the song on the way to the studio. You know the thing that you said don't do? Yeah. Sometimes it works. <laughs> I've done that for a few of our songs. I had a lyric that I didn't like, and I was like, man. If you take a chance on it, though, sometimes it works. There but, are exceptions. Uh, I think that... Josh, didn't you write this song? Uh, partially. I kind of just little passages here or there that I thought could be adjusted or changed or whatever, but it was mostly it was mostly Curtis Ray. Curtis Abernathy. Oh, yeah, Curtis. And, and then we got to give him credit for that. Yeah, Curtis. It's one of my favorite songs that uh, they had played as a Which we did double already. barrel, right? Right, it, yeah. It, it, was, it was a double it barrel. It originated as a double barrel yeah. democracy song. And the, how come it wasn't used for a double barrel? Was it just... It like, was. It was. Okay. I mean, we played it. But oh. It, it would just not... It never got developed to the point it is now. Okay. This is the first time it was recorded. Oh, okay. So like it was played live with double barrel a couple of times, but never made it to track. And so with Septarian, you actually recorded it? Is that how it went? I think... I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how it went. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other tracks like that on the album that you know may have been used for other projects originally that were taken and put into this one? Motions of Mayhem. Oh, what was that one originally used for? That was also a double barrel song. Okay. Was there a reason that that was just not used as well, or was it just you felt Septarian used it more, or felt that style more, or what happened well, with Double Barrel? Uh, double Barrel essentially was just me and Josh, okay. basically. Uh, and then John came in later. Um, so when you spend all the time putting your heart and soul into the music, uh, we feel like the song is a banger. Yeah, it is. And we would have hate to have retired it and yeah. never been, you know, so we just sprinkle a little bit more seasoning on it and that's what it is today. It's, mm -hmm. it's a hotter take. Uh, are the original like demos of that still like around from the Double Barrel days? No, there's probably like some live footage mm. here and there, but... Um, I might have it on like one of the originals on CD somewhere. Yeah, which is yeah. very cool. Kids, uh, you know, if you don't know what CDs are, you know, <laughs> I, I buy CDs still. I have yeah. a I have a package coming from Rise Records. It's taking like three weeks to get here. It's like seven or eight CDs. Dude, yeah. my car doesn't even have a CD reader. It's yeah. Plain. yeah, we have yeah. a thing that like uh, harder to find. All the songs or most of the songs that I play on my show come from like my CD collection that I have. So awesome. it comes through a, we have a thing back at my actual house 
where you set up the disk and it goes into the Mac. It's an external extension. You just mm. plug it in there and it loads it up onto the computer. Mm. Okay. So if I can buy physical media, I prefer to do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's cool to have. I'm one of those weirdos that likes to listen to an entire record from start to finish. I do that. And, yeah. And read, I do that. and read the inlay mm -hmm. cards. And... The best songs are never the singles. Like in my opinion, I agree. It's, it's I agree. Very hard. It's always like, I, I play mostly B sides. Yeah, there's on my some show. some really good B sides out there that that you know you don't hear on the radio. That's the lowest common denominator thing, man. You got a the most watered down is going to be the most widely accepted. Right. Yeah. Right. Like my um my friend, there's a band called Phineas, and my friend is a big fan of them, and he does like every Phineas song. I played a, a track called Dream Thief like a couple months ago and when i played it he was like why that one i was like it just it just sounds good it's like, i mean i agree but it's not a single i'm like it's one of the best ones <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> it's like but that's like very interesting so that's another question so how do you guys go about picking the singles for your releases versus b-sides i don't really know other than the video for threshold that's the only one i would consider a yeah, that's single the only release. single that we have is Threshold. Mm -hmm. And it's only released on video. It's not even... I noticed that, that it wasn't on the album. Yeah. Uh, well, it was written and recorded after, after, after the yeah. album. It was oh. a separate entity it's on its own. It's a true phone. single. Okay, so it's not going to be put on the EP that y'all are planning to do? No. It's just going to no. be... Okay. How was that video shot, by the way? Who like put that together? <laughs> the Randy Powell. Yeah, Randy Powell is the one that... Uh, did the video for us and we all kind of sat down and come up with the concept based off the lyrics okay and we did a it was a lot of low budget trickery involved. <laughs> yeah it was very low budget uh are you guys thinking about making uh any more music videos like in the future yeah, yeah we'd we like will. to yeah i'd be super sick i think that music videos are still very underrated oh i agree they're, they're, fun. Fun. they're so they're fun, fun though we're gonna be doing a lot of filming tonight uh so. yeah it, we gotta we gotta get some some crowd killers. Yeah. We gotta get some. Hopefully there'll be a good <laughs> good crowd there. So it's all it always looks better when there's a lot of people. Certainly. Oh for sure. We're, we're expecting it. I had some like vendors hit me up as well that are gonna be selling stuff tonight, and they they were like, "They've never heard of Crowmouth before, but this band is sick." I'm, can can I vendor for you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like, excellent. It's twofold so. for me because it's my birthday weekend, so I'm gonna throw down with a bunch of my friends. Happy birthday! Oh. We're, we're gonna sing happy birthday. On no, the please station. don't. Please don't. For <laughs> real, well, it's don't. It's gotta sing. happen now. <laughs> it's yeah. gotta no, happen. No, no. We'll you shouldn't have crowd. said don't. You shouldn't have said that. Uh, we're gonna. Y'all have like how? What time is it? Eleven fifteen. Y'all have like roughly seven hours to create a metal version of Happy Birthday. <laughs> Get on it. What we're gonna do for your birthday? Yeah, I bought like 20 cakes, and so you know how. Where did you put these 20 cakes? I did not see them while I was at the house. You know how you seen that video where the, the metal band was? They had a pillow fight. Oh, we're gonna have a cake fight. I'm okay. I'm down, but we're not all throwing them at Megan. It's not gonna be a throw cake at Megan. We're gonna true cake fight. I had to get a pie somebody in the face. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it right there. So, would you guys like to have a uh, shout out any social medias that? The listeners could follow you guys on. Uh, yeah, we have Facebook, we have uh, we have Twitter, we have YouTube, we have uh, all of our music. Instagram. Well, from the album is on Spotify. We have Instagram and what is the other one? The TikTok, TikTok. thing. Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, so you heard it here first. Uh, you could go follow them on all those platforms. There's a lot of platforms. All of the above. I should probably sign up for them just so I can follow you guys because <sighs> some of them I just don't have. 
I don't know. Twitter's kind of accessible. I don't know if some I of them. Yeah, the social media platforms yeah. are the way to, I guess, be picked up by anybody and that is do the things. Very I'm, true. I'm old. All I do is Facebook. See, I, I'm not that old, John, but. You know, I'm old enough to where I'm right there in the middle of technology coming up, and I still cannot stand the social media platforms. Like, Yeah, TikTok is, I mean, it's effective, but like, I don't follow it, really. Yeah. It's just kind of... It's really for people who have a really short attention spans. That's, that's what I'm that's saying. What it is. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's just people with very short attention spans. You got to get their attention in five seconds or less, or else they leave. But yeah, <laughs> if you want to follow The Core, you can follow us on Instagram at thecore underscore 91.1, and be sure to stay up to date because future interviews will be coming very soon. We will publish those ahead of time on Instagram. That way you can listen to them live on air whenever they come out. But, guys, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Yeah. It was thank super you. fun. Thanks, pleasure. Thanks for having us. Of course. I'm very happy to have you guys as the first ever episode of this show. So thank you guys so much for listening. I greatly appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week at 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. This was the core interview series on WEGL 91.1.